0: Three, two, one, zero, zero, and stop. This is Nuclear Knowledge. A production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. Aloha and welcome to another exciting episode of the Nuclear Knowledge, a weekly show by the National Institute for Deterrence Studies where we are advancing peace, promoting stability, and helping you to think deterrence. I'm your host, Curtis McGiffin. I am the Vice President for Education here at NIDS, as well as a co-founder. And today's show is about nuclear alert. The lesson presented is my own and includes data and descriptions obtained from a multitude of DOD sources and government-vetted, publicly available sources, including a great book by L. Douglas Kennedy called 15 minutes. So let's get started. During the Battle of Britain in 1940, RAF fighter pilots would sit in sit ready, often in their in the cockpits of their own aircraft to be scrambled in minutes to intercept German bombers during the blitz. This was primarily to limit damage by the German bombers by attempting to shoot them down. This was defense rather than deterrence. However, the Cold War brought a new twist to the quick reaction force when ground alert was instituted on December fourteenth of nineteen fifty-five as a doctrinal approach to reaction under General Curtis Lemay. Strategic Air Command, or SAC, believed that the survival of one third of the nuclear force would create a deterrent force so powerful that no one would dare gamble. The goal was to have thirty-three percent of the nuclear force we're talking bombers and tankers, on 15-minute alert by 1960. However, by, 19, by March of 1961, President Kennedy ordered the alert force to 50%. And by July of 1961, there were 664 bombers carrying 1,423 nuclear bombs supported by 494 tankers, all sitting on 15-minute alert around the country. At any given moment, some 200 aircraft would be able to take off in a single minute, thus enhancing the survivability of the nuclear retaliation capacity and thus guaranteeing the second strike retaliation threat, the essence of deterrence. While the numbers of bombers and tankers on ground alert gradually declined over time, the strategic bombers and supporting tankers were finally ordered off alert on September 27th of 1991. On October 31st, 1959, the United States Air Force's first intercontinental ballistic missile, the Atlas, went on alert. In December of 1962, the first Minuteman 1 ICBM went on alert with a single 1 megaton warhead. These initial units were pressed into service early during the Cuban Missile Crisis to aid deterrence. President Kennedy referred to the few Minuteman one ICBMs that managed to garner alert status as, quote, his ace in the hole, unquote, during the crisis. Between 1962 and 1966, the Corps of Engineers' Ballistic Missile Construction Office built 1,100 Minuteman Missile Silo Facilities at a rate of almost two per day all around the country. Moreover, there were some 50 Titan I and later some 50 Titan 2 ICBMs on alert in separate silos in different U.S. states until 1987. On August 19, 1970, the first Minuteman 3 assumed alert status. The ICBM alert status allowed the launch on warning option, a form of rapid retaliation whose threat would encourage successful deterrence of a first strike attack. And these Minuteman III missiles still remain on alert today. The U.S. Navy began deploying dozens of ballistic missile submarines, nicknamed boomers, armed with their SLBMs, their sub-launched ballistic missiles, in 1961. These systems were replaced by the Poseidon SLBM and then later the Trident-1 SLBM. Generally, when these ballistic missile submarines went to sea on deterrent patrol, they were essentially on alert. Today, 400 U.S. nuclear ICBMs, or the Minuteman III, achieve a nearly 100% alert rate. Additionally, the U.S. Navy deploys a few Ohio-class ballistic missile submarines to sea at any one time, each with a complement of 20 Trident II D-5 SLBMs, and these may be at sea for weeks or months and considered on alert. Finally, while a few KC-135 tankers are on alert, as well as the E-4B, none of the USAF bombers assigned to the nuclear mission are on alert, per an agreement with Russia. However, bombers could resume alert status if the geopolitical circumstances changed significantly. Placing bombers back on alert could signal to our adversaries U.S. resolve via amplified deterrence and could enhance the survivability of our nuclear bomber force should an adversary's first strike capabilities or attack timing hold our nuclear force at an intolerable risk. They could also resume alert status to backstop a shortfall in one of the other two legs of the strategic nuclear triad. Now, I had the privilege of sitting on alert uh, for a good portion of my flying career in the 1990s and early 2000s. Sitting alert was perhaps one of the most um, uh, interesting times of my flying career because it's, it's a time when you're actually not flying, you're sitting on ground alert but it was a lot of fun and in the 135s we had hard crews so we were always on alert with the same crew members you'd get to know their families they would come out and visit you at the visitation center on the base and basically you sat on alert for 7 days from basically Wednesdays to Wednesdays and you would uh, eat sleep shower exercise read books watch tv and movies um, uh, whatever else with your crewmates Um, during these seven days, but you were always ready to run to your aircraft and launch if necessary. And then when we got off, we would have transition on Wednesday mornings and you would get off alert. You would have what was called C-square, which was the credit time you would get. And so basically you would get off alert on Wednesday mornings. And by about lunchtime, I was home and I didn't come back to work until Monday. And so C-square basically gave me Wednesday afternoon, Thursday and Friday off. And then you had the weekends if you didn't have duty on the weekends. And so it was kind of nice. Uh, you could plan your life around your alert schedule and um, and then kind of say, hey, I'm going to be on C-square so I could do things with the family uh, or whatever the case may be. In the in the sack days the during the Cold War, bomber crews and tanker crews would sit alert one week out of every three. And so this rotation could be somewhat taxing. But because the force was always ready, and, and it was at least a third of the force, you could see how crews would uh, not have a lot of hours on their airplanes because they were on alert. Bombers would sit alert, armed with nuclear weapons. Tankers would sit alert, full of fuel. Procedures were engaged in order for airplanes to, to take off very quickly with cartridge starts in their engines. And they would take off and fly to pre-coordinated locations. And they would do so in something called a MITO or a minimum interval takeoff formation where airplanes would be taking off literally in 30 seconds to a minute intervals to the point where you would see airplanes that would start to roll down the runway while there was still another airplane at the end of the runway, just getting ready to rotate and get airborne. And you do this so that you could get these airplanes off very quickly. And SAC was good at it. And they practiced it a lot. And so one of the images of SAC could be uh, the, the contrails of water injection engines leaving these tremendous amounts of smoke as these large airplanes lumber off the airfields, heavy with weapons, heavy with fuel, in an effort to get airborne to survive that initial attack and then be able to go and execute the response and the retaliation. And the fact that our crews could do it and our airplanes were ready and they, and our maintainers were so great at what they did ensured the peace throughout the Cold War. I am a firm believer that the Soviets decided, yet not today, because they were afraid that we would be able to retaliate. And the alert force played perhaps one of the largest roles in that. Well, I want to thank you for listening to today's Nuclear Knowledge Show. I hope you learned something new and valuable about deterrence. Nuclear Knowledge is a production of NIDS, a 501c3 organization dependent upon donations to provide this podcast and helps bring about awareness of the peacekeeping value of U.S. national deterrence. This podcast is produced weekly by our producer, Kimberly Charrington, and I hope that you'll stay tuned for next week when we will have another exciting and informative Nuclear Knowledge. A production of the National Institute for Deterrent Studies.